You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Things feel sour here for Besser. Miller centers for Besser, one-timer, he scores! Brock Besser in the slot, rips it past Ilya Sorokin, and the Canucks have snagged the lead. It's 2-1. to one. Call an ambulance! Call an ambulance! But not for me. I did not eat four burgers. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet. Sweet Friday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Say good morning, my yellow-hatted friend, Jason, over here. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. It's a gold hat. Uh, it's a Canucks hat. I don't know if you're familiar with them. We talk about them a little bit. One, I do know it's a Canucks hat. Two, that is a yellow hat. Also here this morning, Andy Cole, a.k.a. A-Dog. Good morning, Andy. Good morning. And finally, Laddie, a.k.a. Greg Ballack. Good morning, Laddie. Hello, hello. Good intro, Laddie. That was funny. You like but that not one? for me. <laughs> Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. His hat may be yellow, but his feet are gold. Jason Bruff here to tell you about Kintec. You're getting pretty good at those. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Seems like a, such a waste that you weren't <laughs> thinking of anything creative for ex- so long now. I accepted he's, the he's challenge. He's a whole book on them. He's just sitting at home scribbling every day. I took great offense to, why are you so predictable? Look at me now. Creative. Coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You know, Laddie brought up a good point there. It just got in my ear. You know who would have appreciated my predictability? Uh, Rick Tockett would have liked it. Yeah, that's true. But you know, you're doing a supposed to do a funny radio show. You're not playing hockey. That's true. Okay, let's get to the guest list on this radio show, shall we? Uh, starts at six thirty. Sportsnet's very own Justin Bourne is going to join us. It'll be a two part conversation with Bourne. We'll talk about hockey, NHL, Leafs, Canucks, of course. But uh, we haven't had a chance to have him on the air since he announced his new book, which deals with his battle with alcoholism. as a friend of ours for a long time. Uh, we've obviously spoken to Bourne individually, reached out to him and said, you know, kudos for addressing this, and we're proud of you for being brave as you go through this battle, but this will be a chance for the listeners to hear his story and to learn more about his book, which is going to be coming out shortly. And we had no idea. No we idea. had no idea that he was going through these battles, so uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation with Justin. That's going to be at 6.30, 7 o'clock. It's the Moj. Bob, the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us. This is our pre-Super Bowl hit from Arizona. We can talk to Moj about the big game on Super Sunday. Can also talk about his very controversial visit to In N Out. Yes, I love food. He does love food. He says he did not eat the four burgers that were in front of him during the video. Right. We will get to the bottom of okay. this. Much like Moj got to the bottom of those four hey, burgers. Do you follow him on Twitter? He's been uh, all over Radio Row at yeah. Super Bowl. I saw him t- chatting with Joe Montana. Um, and you know, Moj, he always. Uh, 
gives guys stuff, like yes. whether it's cigars or salmons. So I saw him give something to Joe Montana. It looked like a drug deal, honestly. Is he Nardwar? Like, like salmon? Yeah, what? He just, like he just like, gives them a salmon? Just smoke like, salmon. Yeah, smoke salmon. Yeah. Like, oh, it's like that, That's how he gets them on <laughs> his show. You didn't know about this, Greg? No, well, I just I think it's kind of funny. Moj is the most famous gladhander, I think, yeah. outside of politics. <laughs> he just leaves leaves like a trail of smoked salmon yeah, in front of the go, guests and they just follow it. He doesn't even go up and say like these are some cigars. He just he just like hands he's like I will say smoked this. Salmon. Yeah. No, he a, doesn't even say anything. He oh, just, just like <laughs> he just like gives it to them. There's sheer genius. He keeps talking. There's sheer genius in it though, because all the people, like, just imagine the amount of people that Joe Montana meets that want to go up and introduce themselves and be, ask him for something, right? I think probably point zero 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 one percent of them come armed with, like, three pounds of smoked salmon. You remember that guy. Because even if they don't remember his name, they're like, you're the smoked salmon guy. Well, they take something yeah. home from him, right? Smoked salmon and cigars. Mm -hmm. they have the Do you memory. think it's like Cheers when Moj walks in Radio Row, everyone's like, smoked salmon! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not quite... <laughs> Uh, Moj also had one of those, like, uh, the, the leg therapy things that you do after a workout where you, yeah. you're, you're ensconced in like a, so mm -hmm. sort of like, it looked like a plastic wrap. I don't even know how to describe it. What I, are they I called? use one of those. Yeah. What are they called? Do we know? No idea what they're called, but just, I, uh, they're like coffins for your legs. Right. They help yeah. you recover. They're recovery boots. That's yeah. What they're called yeah. leg you Recover coffins. from trip, trips to in and out apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So seven o'clock Moj is going to join us. We'll talk about the Super Bowl too. Maybe. We'll see. 7.30 Kevin Woodley, NHL.com in goal magazine. Uh, Vancouver Canucks won another another really, really entertaining game last night. 6-5 over the New York Islanders. So Rick Tockett moves to 3-2-1 and one as head coach. We will talk to Kevin Woodley at 7.30 about that. And now I've led up to the big guest of the day. 8 o'clock, owner of the Kamloops Blazers, owner of the Dallas Stars, Tom Gallardi is going to be on the program. That should be an interesting conversation, to put it mildly. Uh, I'll say this. I ran through your questions. One, I'm stealing them. Two, very good questions. Mm -hmm. I won't spoil all of them, but the last one that you asked is that was one I wouldn't have even thought of asking. And that is, what's it like to be an owner sharing a city with Mark Cuban and Jerry Jones? Yeah. That's you, a really good question. Do you, do you feel like you got to up your game a little bit? Like, what do you have to do? <laughs> all the stunts you would have to pull just to be irrelevant. It's a great question. So Tom Gillardi is going to join us at 8. Woodley at 7.30, Moj at 7, Justin Bourne at 6.30. Light night in the NHL, just four NHL games. Only Canadian team in action is the Leafs. Busy, busy NBA day. 11 games, of course, after the trade deadline is all said and done. And perhaps most importantly, it is Friday. So let's ask us anything. Friday, A-Dog, as it relates to the giveaway, we're going to give away a pair of tickets for the best Ask Us Anything today. Give the details on the game and whatever else we need to know. Well, you hashtag AUA or ask us anything. Give us your best one, and we'll be giving away one pair of tickets today to the Canucks game. Uh, they play the Red Wings on Monday. Beautiful. And uh, a reminder, the Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650 if you want to get a hold of us at the show. Okay, that is what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? It was a night of bows in New York. And the Canucks bow, the new bow, emerged a victor. Anthony Beauvillier scored in the third period to help the Canucks snap their two-game losing streak. Rally for a 6-5 win over the Islanders. 
at UBS, not USB, UBS Arena on Thursday. Bovillia actually scored to make it 6-4 in the third period. Isles came back late, got a power play goal to make it 6-5. That means Bovillier gets the winner. Elias Pettersson, two goals and an assist. How about Brock Besser last night? A goal and three assists. Uh, the Canucks, as, as mentioned, rallied from a 4-2 deficit in the third, which means Bo Horvat had to explain blowing leads on his new team. He had a lot of experience resulting. That was a good tweet last night, by the way. Yeah, it made me laugh. Stealing my stealing my tweet. Immediately well. gave you credit for it, but that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, good win for the Canucks. Rick Tockett seemed happy after the game. I bet there was a lot of money on the board, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I actually want to start with a guy that <laughs> we tend to every day try and trade out of Vancouver, and that is JT Miller, because I thought he was excellent last night, like right from the very start, even when he had one giveaway. That nearly cost the Canucks. But, I, you know, not, let's not bring that focus up. Focus on the Let, positives. focus on the positives with JT Miller. He was just – you could tell that he was just dialed in and ready to go. And, and I think we've seen a better JT Miller, frankly, the last few games. Um, Under he, Rick Tockett, you're saying? I don't think – I don't know if it has anything to do with Rick Tockett. Who knows? Maybe it does. Maybe it does. I mean, we've seen that this guy is capable of playing really, really good hockey. We saw it last season. Uh, this season has been a little bit different. Uh, the offensive production hasn't been there, especially at five on five, and the defensive mistakes because those defensive mistakes and puck management mistakes are are there. Bec- and you combine that with m- more of a lack of offense; those defensive mistakes have been getting more attention. And also his body language and temper tantrums, et cetera, et cetera, and the fact that he signed a new contract that a lot of people don't like. But I think last night. Let's remove all that. Let's remove history. Let's remove the contract. I'm watching that game and going, JT Miller is playing better than Bo Horvat. Yeah. And that was my comparison last night. And Horvat didn't even play that badly. But I was looking at that game and going, JT Miller is more of an impact player right now than Bo Horvat is for the Islanders. Yeah, and he had that big shot block right at the end of the game, yeah. too, to, to seal the deal. And he, it's interesting, right? Because, again, as we've pointed out, because this is a lost season, or dare I say, a wasted season, you're going to start to try, one, to pull positives from wherever you can, and two, try and look at things that are going to bode well for the future, mm-hmm. right? So, if, for example, Brock Besser. I mean, Brock Besser scores a goal and three assists last night. That's great. What's the future knock-on effect? Well, maybe it'll bump his value incrementally going into the trade deadline. You look at JT Miller. Is this going to be a sign of, oh, He's got the right coach behind the bench, or maybe he's got the right structure, or maybe, maybe he just realizes now that with Horvat gone and a leadership group being recrafted, that he needs to do more to be a part of that. Uh, talk about Elias Pettersson. A lot of people last night, I saw this on Twitter, and then in a couple of post-gamers that were out there as well, including Patrick Johnston's from the province, this could be seen as another handing the torch moment where Horvat's gone, but he's still on the ice, and it's a monster Pettersson effort. And I mean, Tockett played almost 24 minutes, which is something that Tockett said. I'm not really interested in having the top guys play those kind of minutes. Those are Boudreaux minutes, not Tockett minutes. But I guess at a certain point and Big and Sat were pointing this out on the postgame show, too. It felt like that game meant a little bit more, if only because it's Horvat against his old team, it's mm-hmm. Bovillier against his old sure, team. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Every once in a while, you got to. You got to ride your horses. Sure, and try to win. You know, mm-hmm. it's not stealth tank, not team tank. All apologies to Andy over there. So there were some interesting things. It's still too small, sal- small of a sample size for me to glean a ton. 
But if we're going to rely on the good old fashioned eye test, mm-hmm. they look like a, I don't want to say significantly different team, but they look like a different team than the ones we saw oftentimes under Boudreaux. The funny part is, it was 6-5 last night. Yeah. <laughs> so the scores are the same. The scores are the same, and there are still the, the defensive breakdowns. Um, I think a lot of last night on both sides was goaltending. Like, I don't think either goalie played well. That is very fair. Um, but I just – God, it's it's so hard to – you know, like you mentioned the scores, and then there was that big breakdown in New Jersey, like the mini collapse where they allowed three goals in 50 seconds. There was the bad start against the Rangers the other night. Maybe it's me just hoping or maybe it's me, uh, you know, looking for something that I wasn't looking for when they were coached by Boudreaux. But for me – they look more defensively responsible, even though they allowed five goals last night. I've enjoyed the games more. I I, I don't. I, You're not I, as frustrated. I, I'm not as frustrated watching watching the games. I'm not yelling at the TV. I've I've enjoyed the games more, uh, and maybe it's also like okay, there's something new to watch. I think I just got really tired of watching the games under. And this isn't a Boudreaux thing. This is more like the players. I was like, I I've seen this. This game like this and now that there's something new to watch like there's when when a new coach comes in you're looking for different things right mm-hmm. and I'm starting to watch those things I've really liked what I've seen from Pod Colson yeah for example you know uh, I don't know if he was all that present last night but things like that are new and it's also new watching the team without Horvat. You know, that's, who's going to take true. all the face-offs? That's true. It, right? It's a, it's a big like deal. Just little, right? things, little things like that. Yep. But let's be honest. Last night was a story about Elias Pettersson. It was a story about Brock Besser, who had four points. And it was a story, for me at least, about JT Miller, about how well he played. Yeah, and this is going to be a big thing moving forward because you still – I mean, again, when you talk about JT Miller, I think you always have to at least mention cursory or whatever – uh, the trade deadline, and that that marks a real line in the sand where all of a sudden, once it gets past that date, you're now talking about that contract essentially being in, like kicking in. Like, I know it doesn't kick in until next season, but for all intents and purposes, that thing kicks in the moment that the, mar- the trade deadline comes and, p- comes and goes. So at that point, they need him to be more than what he was over the first half of the season. And that's uh, an on-ice thing for sure. It's a stylistic thing for sure, how he meshes. It's an attitude and personality thing, mm-hmm. absolutely. And we've had a couple texts come in already wondering, is is this Tockett doing for Miller what he did for Phil Kessel? And quite frankly, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows outside of Kessel, sorry, Tockett and Miller right now. And I doubt they're even really sure of it either. But there's something to be said. Someone jokingly texted in that the key to unlocking JT Miller's powers is you have to sacrifice a head coach first. But <laughs> like every, every year. Right. Like routinely. You just have to keep doing it. Um, talk it maybe is going to be more adept at pushing buttons because that was a big part of his relationship with Kessel. That I don't think a lot of people understand is that it wasn't just coddling him. Right. It was finding a way to motivate a guy that other guys couldn't motivate or mm. get through to. Right, explaining your message in a particular way. Like sometimes it's not about throwing an arm around a guy; it's needling them in the right way, or being blunt when nobody else will, or going toe to toe with someone when they're being frustrated or aggressive or hot headed instead of just backing down and let them vent. Right? Some coaches will be like, you know, 
Let him vent. Let him swear and smash his stick. Let him get it out of his system. We'll get him back out there for the next shift. Other coaches do other things. I'm not saying that this is what Tockett's doing, but these are the sort of little interpersonal relationships that he stressed, that Tockett, that is, when he came on the job, that you have to build these with every single player, and you have to unlock every single guy. It's not so much about um, acknowledging the group or addressing the group. I mean, it's why I think it's partly, honestly, why they have like 13 head coaches. Few texts in here, Ke- uh, Kevin and Campbell River. Any Luke Shen injury update? No, not really. He just didn't play. He's day to day. So hopefully he's ready to get back and uh, be healthy in time. Certainly for the trade deadline, because the Canucks have a big decision on that. But him not playing yesterday, not, not great, Bob. Not great, not great. Um, but we still got lots of time. It's February tenth today. Not, you know, the trade deadline's March 3rd. So there's a few, uh, you know, if he's day-to-day, I'm less worried about that. But it is a concern going forward. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. Um, here's a text from House of Negativity. We still gave up five goals again. Yeah, there are there are issues right now. And the goaltending last night, I don't think, was very good for either of them. Like I think, Sorokin I, I think, wasn't good yeah. and Delia wasn't good because he's calling Delia. I think that needs to be said. I think it really does. We and, and hey, every time that goaltending has br- been brought up over the last two months and how poor it's been or the lack thereof, what have you and I said mostly? We're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, mm-hmm. the, yeah, sure, the goaltending isn't great, but the team in front of it might be worse and oftentimes was. There's personnel issues. There's massive personnel <laughs> issues too with the defense of this group. Yep. And, and the and 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 someone texted in, is the PK better? Not really. No. Like it's it's not because I I think for the most part it's a personnel issue. Like they're I, running yeah. through whoever out there. It, 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 there is not a special a specialty group within the Canucks that kills penalties, and it is one of the big failings of the management groups, the current one, the last one, that jettisoned a lot of good overpaid veteran penalty killers, and I don't think anyone had a problem with them trying to move the likes of Louis Erickson or Antoine Roussel or, or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't replaced them. So if you jettison those guys, and especially if you get rid of guys like Alex Edler and, and Chris Tanev, or not get rid of them, just not re-sign them, and they walk away for nothing, but I digress. Yep. Um, this is going to be a challenge for the management group in the offseason is to replace the depth players that they have with better penalty killers. Yeah, And I don't know if some, some of them, like maybe Nils Amon can be – a good penalty killer. Who knows? He's guys, gonna, he's gonna have to get better at it in a hurry. Like though. guys, but but guys like that. Yeah, I get you. W- within the group, uh, it doesn't sound like Tockett wants to have his best players out there. He doesn't want to have Elias Pettersson out there. You know, they got to find another centerman or two. When you trade away a guy like Bo Horvat, especially a guy that is out there on the PK and taking faceoffs, and I'm not saying he was effective on the PK because he wasn't. Yeah, because in fact, it was one of his failings here. But they're going to have to find guys because this PK needs to be fixed, and I don't think it's just a coaching thing. I think it's mostly a personnel thing. Oh, I 100% don't think it's a coaching thing. I mean, if you look right now, it seems as though a lot of the stylistic changes, the strategic changes, just the X's and O's of it. I mean, it was talking about the two-man forecheck in his post-game remarks yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I kudos to whoever was working the camera for Sportsnet. Because they caught a picture-perfect two-man 
arriving at the exact same time to pin a guy in deep and start the board battle to try and win it. So it was like a perfect reflection of what he wanted to do. I bet it made film today or tomorrow whenever they practice. None of that applies to the penalty kill. Like, whatever changes he's tried to make, mm-hmm. they still allow goals on the power play with the same regularity. Like, last night they were one for three. Uh, sorry, two for three. The Isles scored one on the power play. But it really should have been two power play goals. Like, the one that got called back, that's a coin flip on the challenge. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that gets reversed. Sometimes it doesn't. And then they went and scored almost immediately afterwards. I know it didn't count as a power play goal, but you just look at this unit and it is... I texted this to you yesterday. It is so beleaguered. It is so bad. Yeah. And it is so consistent that you've almost reached the point, I have anyway, that anytime there's a big penalty kill, I'm texting people like guaranteed goal coming up. For sure, yeah. Like the overtime loss, I was like, that's a guarantee. Because there's no there's no stalwarts out there, right? No, Where you're yeah. like, okay, you throw these guys out. We know we're comfortable. Someone mm-hmm. texted in, please call out OEL and Myers. When Myers gets the puck, he's panicky. OEL can't skate, like, at all. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we know this. Correct. Right? I mean, we know this. This is, a, this, is, this is a problem. And I just talked about Edler and Tanev no longer being with the Canucks, and I know that's old news, but, like, those are supposed to be the new Edler and Tanev, OEL and Myers. They and they're not close, Right. And that's why you look back on those guys, and Edler took a lot of criticism in this market. And at the end of Tanev's tenure, let's be honest, a lot of our, a lot of us were like, "Yeah, don't resign this guy." I mean, before then, it was trade some, trade him and get something yeah. for him, but don't resign this guy because he's starting to break down. He wasn't playing all that well at the end of his tenure with Vancouver. There were a lot of people noticing he, he, he or at least at the time, the opinion was this guy's lost a step. Yep. So I don't think anyone had an issue with management going out and trying to replace them the issue is that they weren't replaced well yeah who they were you know like who they replaced them well because it's hard to find defensemen in the nhl uh other stories from last night a dog do you want to um i know you're sad you responded with a sad face emoji in our text group when uh it was pointed out that (laughs) andre kuzmenko is clearly in a little bit of a doghouse right now with rick talkett yes yeah uh, talkett does not seem to care for Kuzmenko's play as of late. Uh, I don't know if it's the defensive end of things. I'm the, uh, assuming maybe sp- that's spinning. part of it. Well, it's the sp- incessant doesn't spinning. like the spinning, yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a thing right now. Kuzmenko finished last night with 12 minutes and 17 seconds of ice time. That was below the likes of Phil DiGiuseppe and Vesely Podkolzin. So that's a statement right there. That's a message. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little curious to see how that one plays out because uh, that's sort of where we get to see the first bit of Tockett's no-nonsense approach. Like, we've seen him embrace certain guys and give them more minutes and, you know, the dangling carrot and here's the cookie, more ice time. This is the inverse of it. He's, I think he's probably the first guy that's had the real sort of public challenge, right? Because last game against New York, when Tockett mentioned the, the five guys that were, weren't doing much tonight, Kuzmenko was the only one that got called up by name. Granted, he got asked a question about Kuzmenko, but still. Is it the back-checking or lack there? I mean, I know he said the spinning, but, I mean, like, is it the back-checking he's specifically focusing on or he's not two-way the, play? He, he wants, he wants like, direct, direct skate line, straight line guys. <laughs> if you can watch me on, on, the, on the app right now, on this, the live stream, I'm pointing directly with my hand. There's a lot of things that'll go into that. It's not just back-checking. It'll be puck management, but it'll also be, are you in the right position? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there are rules that he has. Talking, I'm talking about, like that you just don't break. And, you know, I don't think he's going to come out and publish his list of rules, but 
you know, Kuzmenko. I, well, but, I could probably get it from him. But, just text him, but, buddy. Yeah, but listen, like Bruce Boudreau, what do we always hear from players that have played for Bruce Boudreau and even Kevin Bieksa when he went in and delivered that speech and he said, you guys are lucky to be playing for Bruce. Why? Because he lets them play. Yep. And my immediate response was, someone should stop letting them play. Yeah. <laughs> because the way they play is not so good, right? It, it was almost like when Bruce first came in, he was like, guys, we need to free you up because you're, you're playing so tight out there. And I think that was a good message at the time, right? It was like, all sure. right, go, go out and play because they'd lost their confidence. And sometimes you just need to be told, like, you guys know how to play hockey, right? Like, yep. you've been playing hockey your whole lives, so just go out there and play a little bit more on instinct. But then eventually something <laughs> something happened, and maybe that the first thing that happened was uh, they didn't they weren't getting the spectacular goaltending, but they started playing with no idea how yeah. to play hockey, yeah. right? Like like this is the difference for me when I'm watching them now under Tockett. And again, maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but like they. <laughs> Some of the things that they did under Bruce Boudreaux, it wasn't normal for an NHL team to play that way. It wasn't normal to watch the type of mistakes that they were making. Yeah, I it was not that. typical for a professional hockey team to play that way. And there are still those things that are going on right now, but it seems like it's less so. Yeah, I think, I think when it's all said and done and we look back on this <clears throat> end of the tenure of Bruce Boudreaux, it's going to become pretty clear that there were two major problems that collided into this crap storm that they called the first half of the season. Uh, a team that didn't have structure and didn't have details in its game meshed with bad personnel. Like it, it's, At times, it's the perfect storm. And it, what is it translated to? A historically bad penalty kill, for example. Like you were saying, it wasn't normal, the mistakes they were making. Well, it's not normal to have a penalty kill that operates around 65%. You got to go back to prehistoric times. Montreal Maroons. Yeah, really. When like the the backwards pass was like outlawed. Like it was it was one of these things where <laughs> you just you're like you can't believe that they're this bad, but they are. I think it would have been the forward passes outlawed. I think you're right. Actually, yeah, the backward it pass been rugby was on. on ice. The backwards pass was fine. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. And now a two on one. Sagan with Foxa. Sagan across. one on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Friday. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Some of you might be asking, why are we coming back from break with erotic Foxa highlights? It'll all make sense in a second. Dallas Stars owner Tom Glardy is on hold. He's going to join us in just a second here to kick off Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 of Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by Campbell & Pound. 
real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Joining us now on the line, very happy to have him here, the owner of the Kamloops Blazers and the Dallas Stars, Tom Gallardi, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I imagine that these have to be pretty good times for you just to see how these seasons are unfolding. You've got the Kamloops Blazers atop the BC division in the Western Hockey League and obviously hosting the Memorial Cup. And then your Dallas Stars atop the Central Division, uh, five points clear of Winnipeg. So things are going well with your hockey teams right now. Yeah, and, and you know, you're not even mentioning the Texas Stars, our AHL affiliate. So um it's not often when all your teams are in first place. And in fact, our East Coast League teams in first place as well. So never happened before. Probably will never happen again. But um, it's a neat place to be. <laughs> You've been an NHL owner for over a decade now. You bought the Stars out of bankruptcy <clears throat> in 2011. Um, this is kind of a big picture question, but what's the most important lesson you've learned about being an NHL owner since buying the stars in 2011? Oh boy. I, I guess, I guess, um, you know, the, the, the least amount of emotion you can possibly muster is probably, you know, the best, you know, in the best thing. So in other words, you know, you just can't get too high, can't get too low. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to do. It's an emotional game and, and everybody wants to win. Um, but, you know, it's hard to win. So, you know, I think, I think emotion, emotion can sometimes get you, get the best of you. So I think it's just been a big lesson in, in, uh, in that and, and patience. And, uh, you know, the game's not always fair. And, uh, and so I think you just have to learn to accept that. And, you know, when, once you learn, learn some of that, I think it gets easier to, you know, to enjoy it, to survive in it, and to, you know, make the best possible decisions you can. As an owner, do you care about the style of hockey your team plays, or is it all about wins and losses? And the reason I ask you this is the Stars, under your ownership, have seen the extremes. They were the run-and-gun teams that, uh, you know, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan starred for. Lindy Ruff was your head coach, and then probably there was a realization, hey, we got to play a little defense there. And then it swung aggressively to the other way, and maybe it became a bit of a problem that you weren't scoring enough. You seem right now to have a good combination of the both. But I'm just wondering, as an owner, like, and you're putting, you know, you want to win, but you also want to put an entertaining product on the ice. Does it matter to you the style your team plays? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, And that's a pretty astute observation you just made <clears throat> you know we under lindy ruff we were offensive we led the team in scoring and then you know then there was that sober reality that you know we're not going to have success in the playoffs with without you know with, with the type of defensive structure we had in that era and in comes ken hitchcock because um and and people like to write that oh hitchcock was unsuccessful in dallas he was there one year but Ken Hitchcock changed her identity and it needed to happen. And I don't know many guys that could have, could have accomplished what he did in one year. Um, and he, and, and so since that day, we've really become a, you know, top five, what, uh, you know, 
uh, plus or minus uh, defensive team. Mm-hmm. And we've had some playoff success. Uh, and so, you know, in the, in, in the playoffs when, when power plays are, are hard to come by, um, and, uh, you know, it, it really comes down to having to defend and, you know, knowing how to win two win games. And so, you know, we're the type of team that uh, could do that. But, you know, I think it swung too hard. And, you know, I, I mean, fans like to see goals. And, you know, we're playing in a market like Dallas where, um, <clears throat> you know, winning is the most important thing for sure. But fans do. They want to see physicality and they want to see goals. And, and I think that's, that's true for all 32 markets. Uh, and I think you got to find the right balance. And, you know, last year we had a team that couldn't score enough and you know, we couldn't get out of the first round. So, you know, we defended. We were a top five defensive team. Um, and uh, But we, we just couldn't score our way out of any kind of trouble. And so um, we made the change. And, and Pete DeBoer's task was to, you know, was to better utilize the roster, change how we play, uh, improve our chances and, and chances to score. But don't don't give up the identity that we've worked so hard to develop, which is, which is our structure. And, you know, and Pete's done exactly that. We're one of the top defensive teams in the league. We're we're second and third in scoring in the league. So it's gone, you know, very well. And uh, we're we're obviously happy with where where we're at and and feel like, uh, you know, we've got a team that can have some success in the playoffs too. We're speaking with Tom Gillardy, the owner of the Dallas Stars, the Texas Stars, and the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, Tom, you've been pretty open about a couple of your players, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, needing to do more to justify their contracts and the amount of cap space they take up. Um, did that all make you hesitant at all to commit long-term to players? I mean, you did, you have committed long-term to Rupe Hintz and Miro Heiskanen, but I'm just wondering what you think or what goes into your uh, thinking when you do make that commitment to players. Well, look, uh, it's a little bit like buying a, you know, a future. <clears throat> you know, if you, you're going to buy a future that you're going to, you're going to close on a, on 10 bales of cotton in six months for this price, you know, that contract is either in the money or it's not by the time you get there. And so all a contract is, is a bet on future performance. And so that contract is either an asset or it's a, or it's a weight. Um, and I think, you know, I think that in, in the case of Tyler and Jamie, we, you know, they've gone through stretches of this other eight year contracts where they haven't, they haven't produced uh, up to the level of their contract. And, you know, these are good guys. When I, when I made those comments during the summer, you know, like a little bit of the issue in a market like Dallas is that we don't have a media that really holds us accountable. Um, <laughs> they do to a point, but our media in the, in the U.S. and in a market like Dallas tends to be cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think sometimes these guys need a little bit of pressure and, you know, public pressure. But it wasn't a mystery. I mean, I, I talked to these guys. I, I, I talked to <clears throat> both players, and both guys are, you know, these guys are good guys. I mean, they, we, we didn't give them eight-year contracts because we didn't believe in them. And, you know, they know they need to be better. You know, and, they, and, there's, and there's just reasons why, you know, the guys are struggling trying to, uh, you know, to produce to where they, where they think they should and, and where we think they should. So, um, uh, you know, Tyler went through some, you know, pretty tough couple of injuries. And those injuries really affect you and they can affect you for a while. I mean, Stamkos had the same surgery as, Sagan and, and it took him a year and a half to come out of that. It didn't look like he was going to 
ever be the player that he was. And, and then, he, but he, he turned it around and, and he is, you know, Tyler's having the best season he's had in a, quite a while. And Jamie Ben's been unbelievable. So, you know, Jamie knew he had to be better. He, he's changed his regiment. He's, he's, uh, and, and in fairness to those guys, uh, you know, we're, 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 you know, our systems are designed to score more than they were. So, um, I, I think, uh, I, I think that they're benefiting from Pete DeBoer, but, you know, both of those guys have, have worked hard to, uh, to get themselves in a position to, to be more successful this season. And they are, they both knew it. They both said they were going to be, they were going to be, uh, better players and, and they've, they've both delivered on that. So, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, we're getting the type of uh, type of leadership and, and and production that we need from those guys uh, with those with those contracts. But you know, we, you, you say do you shy away or do you worry about it? Well, you know, we Miro Haskin and Rupe Hintz, you know, two eight year deals. Believe in these guys are the right age, and and so um, you know that's the game today. Um, you know, that's just the system today. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, you know, these these players want long term deals, and I, I don't necessarily think it's the best. It is what it is. You, you play within the system, and you know it's a great system. And uh, you know you get rewarded for managing and, and managing your assets the best possible way. So, um, you know we believe in long term deals, and, and we'll continue to do them. Uh, I haven't spoken to many NHL owners that uh, don't like the hard salary cap, just from a business perspective. But um, is there a frustration um, at how gummed up the system is? Right now, because I know there's a lot of frustration from our listeners and fans of the game that it seems like you, like it just seems so difficult to make the most basic of trades. Yeah, I mean, I think as a fan, you know, it's um, it's 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 been a bit of a tough era for that. But you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna things are gonna are going to uh, are going to change, and we've had some shocks to our system here. Um, you know, the biggest one being the pandemic. So. Um, but the future is very bright here in terms of the, you know, the game's growing, uh, revenues are growing, the cap, you know, the cap should get back to growing, you know, substantially. And so I think this is a short term, uh, uh, situation where, 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 you know, every team is so capped out. It's hard to make trades because of the, the money that's tied to it. But I, I think that's going to change. Um, and, and, and it'll change uh, fairly soon and it'll be more, it'll look more like what, you know, we're used to seeing and, you know, I certainly know that fans want want to see trades. It's exciting. You get frustrating supporting your group, and you want to see a change, and it's tough to happen. So, um, but but uh, um, you know, I think uh, um, you know, I'm I'm not big on trades personally. So, uh, I like to build the team and, and keep it. I, I don't. Uh, I, I know fans like trades, but uh, you know, to me, the system is uh, uh, solid and strong and, and functioning well. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Jim Nill, because if you look at the list of current NHL GMs, uh, he's fifth in terms of tenure. He's been there. He's coming up on a decade in Dallas. Actually, it'll be April 29th is the date that he was hired in 2013. You know, there are other organizations, like the one locally, who have gone through multiple general managers over that same time frame. But Nill has been a constant there. Um, what's allowed you guys to have this dynamic and relationship where he's been able to serve as a general manager for a decade, which is a long time, and to be able you to have the trust in him to know that um, it's not time for a change for change's sake, or you know it's not the end of an era. I mean, he signed through 2024, so he's going to be there for the foreseeable future. What has allowed you guys to build the relationship that you've had that you've been together for the better part of a decade? 
Well, <clears throat> I mean, there's obviously a lot of comfort and, uh, you know, it's a relationship that, as you say, has lasted a long time. And, and, uh, you know, Jim's made a lot of great decisions and Jim's, you know, one of the best at a, at a whole bunch of things. It's, it's not an easy job. Um, there aren't uh, a plethora of people who are capable of doing the job. And so, you know, I, I, people try to compare the GM job to coach job and, and, you know, coaches naturally flip over and that's sort of where we're at now in terms of the, you know, the, the players and, and how long they'll tolerate the same coach and the same voice. Um, GM's an entirely different situation. So, um, you know, I think, I think tenure and wisdom and, and, and the experience is, is worth a, a heck of a lot. And so, uh, you know, Jim's just a solid, steady hand. Uh, doesn't get too wound up when things are going tough. Um, and he's just a really balanced decision maker, uh, who, who like me is committed to, you know, the group that we have. And, and, you know, the, I just think we're an organization that probably talks a lot less about trades than some other ones. So, you know, it's, it's about working with what we got and we believe in what we've got. And, and, uh, so he's, he's just, a, he's just a calm, steady hand. And he's a, he's a hockey guy. He spent his, uh, his post player uh, years as in scouting. So, you know, he knows the players, uh, he still scouts, he still watches hockey. Uh, he would have as much knowledge uh, of the rest of the players in the league as any GM in the league. So, you know, he's a hard worker and, uh, you know, I'm proud, proud that he's, uh, he's, he's with our club. And, uh, but at some point, you know, it's a big job and, and he's getting, uh, he's getting up there and, and whether he's going to want to continue on with, with the, uh, the grind that is that is being an NHL general manager, uh, you know, uh, we'll see how much longer I can get out of him. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, he's done a done a pretty good job. And I think right now, if you look at our club where we're sitting, and you know, I've had good teams before. We've been at the top of the standings, and um, those teams were largely driven by veterans. And you know, today you look at our club, and and you know, really our best players are young. So we've got the you know the the older guys that you call Jimmy Van a veteran now, and 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 Saggy and, and these guys are you know they're playing a huge role Pavelski, but really the team is it's changed the team and made us what we are as the as the caliber of the young guys. So you know to have your young guys pushing the boat is 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 you know we're really in a good spot. We feel good that we're we're sitting well for uh, for the next decade. Okay, so you mentioned you got he's and, a high and Jim and the staff Jim Jim and his staff and the scouting staff deserve a lot of credit for putting us in that position. Right, so you've spoken glowingly about the man and his staff, and you said, you know, there's there's trust there. He's a hockey guy. He's got a history of making great decisions, and you've had a lot of success. You also mentioned earlier in the call that, you know, it, having a, an emotional balance as an owner is important. So, like, I want to ask you, like, how difficult is it, or maybe more specifically, how important is it that you refrain from – meddling or letting your emotions take over in hockey decisions and saying, okay, I've hired hockey people. They're here to make hockey decisions. I'm going to let them do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm in the conversations uh, for sure, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't make the hockey decisions and I, and I probably shouldn't be making the hockey decisions. So, um, you know, I'm more, you know, we have a, we have a, you know, a macro plan and, and that's what we stick to and discuss. Um, and as I say, it's uh uh, you know, Jim and staff uh, make the calls, and they—they—they're they, uh, the guys who are scouting the players. They know the players best, and uh, you know, it's all—it's good to be involved in the conversations, and you have a general 
um, you know, strategy in terms of what our roster is going to look like in the next year and the year after that. And I, I stick to the macro part of it and, and, you know, it really ties to your overall, you know, business plan, I suppose. So, mm-hmm. um, but you, you just, as I say, you, you know, you, you, you know, 24, 48 hour rule, you know, you just, you just, you know, you learn this in amateur and you know, minor hockey. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you, you, you know, I had two, three boys that play hockey. Don't text the coach less than 24 hours after. It's right. Don't text <laughs> the coach 48 hours because the text you send the guy 48 hours after the game is a heck of a lot different than the one you sent an hour after the game. So, you know, we've all made that mistake if you have a kid playing hockey. And, and so, you know, I just think it's the same thing. You, you, you know, you get frustrated with a player or this, that, whatever. And, you know, you just got to, Everybody knows it. It's not going to change in 24 hours. And so it, it's just managing your emotions. And I just find your, you know, if you can do that, then you can deal with the, the ups and downs. Because the bad thing about hockey is, if you know, you own a team, there's the team that you're playing against that night, they're trying to win the game too. So it's not easy to win. And, uh, you know, you do as much losing as you do winning over the course of, 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 a, of a season or five. And, and it, it's, it's hard. The losses are way harder than the wins are, are make you happy. So it's it's a tough it's a tough business. When you say macro plan, what do you mean by that? <clears throat> uh, I, I mean this you know this the, the the plan of your of your roster. You know if you look at a you look at your team and you've got a guy like Miro Haskinen who's on his entry level deal and you know that coming out of that he's going to move you know to a, to a much higher salary number uh, then then what's your plan, you know? So you have to think about that in terms of, well, I've got an older guy making X and I can't afford to sign that guy when, when you're, you know, when a guy coming out of entry level is going to hit. So it, it, you have to have a plan. And, you know, like for us, it's, for us, we've got a guy like uh, Rupe Hits that goes from 3 million to eight and a half million next year, you know, in a flat cap world right now, where, where does that, you know, relatively flat cap world, where does that money come from? And so, you know, you have to have a plan and, you know, there's money that's going to have to fall off somewhere else to get, to get, to, to get him that money. So, um, you know, Robertson gets a big raise, uh, the, you know, Ottinger gets a raise. Where does that money come from? So it's just a plan of how the pieces fit together and the blocks fit together. And, you know, we tend to, you know, we, we put it out a couple of years and, or so, and you have to think about those things. How long can I do a term with this fellow, guy where, I know I've got these kids coming up that are going to be earning more money. Uh, we're speaking with Tom Gillardi, the owner of the Dallas Stars, the Texas Stars, and the Kamloops Blazers. I want to talk a little bit about the Kamloops Blazers because you guys will be hosting the Memorial Cup. Hopefully you guys will win it again like you did when it was hosted in all the way back in 1995, I believe. Um, I want to ask you about Logan Stankoven because I remember the first time I ever saw this guy, I was like, how did he fall to the second round. How excited were you back in 2021 when he was still available to you, the owner of the Kamloops Blazers and the Dallas Stars, when the Dallas Stars selected him? Well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, uh, I mean, I've known Logan. I've got a son the same age, and so uh, spent a lot of my coaching life uh, having my goaltender pull the puck out of our own net with uh, Logan Stankov and the, the, the culprit. So, you know, known this kid, known the family for forever. And so, you know, so fortunate to get drafted into Kamloops and then, you know, really, really was looking, you know, hopefully 
I never thought in a million years we would get a chance to have him in NHL. But um, and uh, you know, we, but having said that, he was in our wheelhouse. We had a twenty-something pick that year in the first round, and so you know, I would have taken him then. But you know, I don't run the draft table, and so uh, we took a we took a kid named Wyatt Johnson and with the first pick, who I who I never who I'd never really seen play before. And, you know, really, you know, he's just a, he, we're so excited about him and and. It's one of those situations through COVID. These kids in the Ontario didn't play, and so um, there's some there's some weird picks and some real steals because you know scouts didn't get to see this kid play, but our guys were able to uh, you know make this selection, and uh, you know we're really happy. And he's playing in the league at 19, and he's putting up real numbers, and he got a shot at the Calder for sure. So happy about that. And then so we took him. I figured it was there was no chance to uh, to get Logan, but. Uh, there he was, and uh, I'm, you know, shocked, and everyone's shocked, and still shocked, and so, um, you know, it's just nice when it comes together. And he was there in the middle of the second round where we had two picks, and so lucky to get him. Um, so yeah, I feel very fortunate about that because I think he's got a real shot to be on the roster next year, and he's uh, he he moves the needle. Uh, we're a little bit up against it for time here, Tom, but I did want to ask you one final question before we let you go. Uh, i got to give credit to Jason because he came up with this one. It's actually a pretty cool question, I think. Uh, you're an owner in Dallas. What's it like sharing a town with owners like Mark Cuban and Jerry Jones? <laughs> yeah, it's fine for my personality. You know, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I get asked that a lot in Dallas, too. Um you know, you can't compete against those guys. So, um, and I don't even try, um, but they're all nice. They're all really nice people. I mean, the, the, all the, we all know each other well and, you know, the Rangers and the Cowboys and, and, uh, of course we share an arena with the Mavericks. So it's, uh, it's a small town in the sports world. And so, but there's some big characters there and, and, uh, you know, they're good at getting uh, media attention and, uh, you know, it, 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 that doesn't really interest me much. You know, I'm, I, I, I just, I'm really interested in, in, in winning. And so, and, and you know, as are they, but, uh, uh, it's, it's just my personality not to, uh, not to be out there the way those guys might be. So I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Well, at the very least you can maybe get like a guest spot on shark tank or something like that. Like that would, it would just once anyway, yeah, just once for the sake yeah, of I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, Tom, I, as I mentioned, we're up against it for time. I'm sure you are as well. We'll let you go. Thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. Uh, good luck. I've just coined it trying to win the quad this year. So that's the Memorial Cup, the Stanley Cup, the Calder Cup, and then the championship in the East Coast League. You got a chance at all four. So best of luck with all that. You got a busy spring ahead of you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you. That's Tom Gallardi, owner of the Dallas Stars. Sorry. What was it, Laddie? I forgot it in the a moment. The Kelly Cup. Thank you. The Kelly Cup. How do you not know the ECHL trophy? You know, Come on. I was trying my best. But that is pretty cool that he's going, mm-hmm. like all the hockey trophies that are out there, he's going to go and try and get them. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.